0: This is Faith in Your Recovery. I'm Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Monica, welcome. Thank you. Good to have you with us today. Look forward to what you'll have to offer. As I reflect back, you and I go back, what, about seven years ago on November 5th, is when we began in 2014, and you started with us when? Two weeks, three weeks after our first meeting?
1: Yes, it was three weeks. Um, it was actually the Wednesday, uh, the day after I got out of jail. Um, I got out of Mercer County Jail, and my stepmom was like, hey, there's this uh, recovery program meeting in Red Key. And I was like, what? I actually thought that it was a joke, and... I didn't take it serious until we had walked in, and then when I seen the faces, that's when I started to take it serious. I seen the food and the connections, and then, you know, I have been a part of it ever since.
0: Did you see some faces you recognized when you walked through the door?
1: Yeah, that was the scary part at first, you know, because I I remember thinking, um, you know, I was afraid, you know, absolutely scared to death to walk in because my initial thought was that everybody was going to think I was a snitch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned there that you came out of the Mercer County Jail one night. You were in our meeting the next night. Why had you been at uh, the—what was the reason for the incarceration?
1: Well, this was um, after multiple incarcerations. I had actually went to Dayton to score dope. I was actually against um, going to Dayton because I knew that that was, you know, not something that you normally come back from Uh, because they were normally waiting for us to go and to be picked up. I was the one that always stayed back and took care of the kids and fed them. And then, you know, everybody would bring me back dope um, and get me high. Um, But I had actually made the trip because I was dope sick. um, And so I had no other choice at that point. So on my trip to Dayton, second time I'd ever been, um, scored $1,000 worth of of heroin. Um, I had got pulled over with my boyfriend at the time. And as the cop was walking up, um, you know, he throwed the dope in my lap. And of course, I took it because I'm that type of person. And it was over after that, you know, I stuffed the dope in my pants. And the cop told me that if I took that into the jail, that was going to be another trafficking charge. And so I gave it up. And I've been chasing my recovery ever since.
0: You made a comment there or used a a term called dope sick. Why don't you explain dope sick to those who may not know exactly what that means or what it's like?
1: You know, dope sick to an individual that's never felt dope sick, it's the most embarrassing thing in the world if you see it um, with your own eyes because I've literally, in front of my own children, Went to the bathroom on myself, um, vomited on myself, um, crawled to the bathroom, cold chills. I describe dope sickness, the flu times 10,000, and it doesn't go away. It doesn't ever go away until you get high again. And I got to the point to where, you know, it feels like your body is crushing itself. Your bones are crushing themselves. Your hair crawls. You want to die. That's why you revert to all the things that you do, steal, all the things that you literally feel guilt and shame for. but you know it's it's disgusting feeling, but there's there's just nothing that you can do. And I, I started using dope to feel normal again.
0: It sounds like it's pretty vicious cycle there that you're dope sick, so you get more dope to help you take care of that. Yeah. And then you go through the dope sickness after using that mm-hmm. and the circle just keeps rolling. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Insanity. Yeah. So, you, you've talked about just what led you to jail there before you started our meetings. Go back a little farther in your life. Tell us that story where maybe the addiction began, what it was like, and what that did to
1: you. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, I remember my cousins, you know, I remember sneaking into alcohol. You know, I remember growing up seeing it, you know, the trauma, things that we don't want to remember. Um, we want to forget about the pain. We numb that. I numb that. Um, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, for sure, you know, things that we would get angry about, mad about, bullying. Bullying was big for me um, growing up. School, I went to three different schools at one point, you know, so kids are cruel. Kids are so cruel. And so I was that person that found that crowd that would accept me, and it was the drug crowd. Um, And so that was perfect for me. And so when I started using those drugs and I didn't feel the pain, um, the anger, the trauma, all those things that I wanted to forget was gone with a substance, perfect. You know, it was a perfect fit for me, and I ran with it. I ran with it, and um, I continued on that path for a long time. Um, Did I have hopes and dreams and aspirations? Absolutely. Those never went away, but they got um, harder and harder to see and more I used the drug and I would continue on down that path. Um, I did graduate high school, but I was using in high school, you know, for the whole time. You know, I started using cocaine in high school, um, acid. Once I graduated high school, I went right into a factory job. Um, once I lost that factory job, you know, uh, actually in the factory job, I was using uh, Avon
0: pills called thermolifts. What is an Avon pill?
1: It was Avon. Do you remember Avon?
0: A, it was available through, through Avon. Avon. Yes,
1: yes, Avon. I guess I could have um, explained no, that a little I, better, but I, it was the the Avon, and there was pills in there that, you know, I would get from these older ladies, and I would split them with my friend that I worked on second shift. They were $40 a bottle. She would pay 20 I would pay 20 and we would just get through our shift easy peasy. So that was that was good, but then it, it just didn't work. And then I went from the cocaine to my Superman drug. I called it my Superman drug because it was methamphetamines, and I was invincible. I could do a lot less and go a lot longer, and I did meth for 17 years. So then when I lost my job at the factory that I loved for, you know, I was there for five years. They shut down. It was the broom factory in Portland. I worked there for five years. I was, at the end of that job, I was pregnant with my first son. Once that was um, over, I ended up, uh, they told me I could ship jobs overseas and I didn't see myself moving to Japan or whatever. So I went to, back to college, or I went to college, I didn't go back. I went to college and they were giving me more money than I could even imagine, but I also was going for my nursing degree, which I was like, I always wanted to be a nurse. And so I, I pursued that but I was also on meth, going to school to be a nurse. I was getting straight A's. Um, I was using the meth to stay up, to study, um, but it didn't last. My life was trickling down. Um, Everything was going away from me little by little. I was losing my relationship with my son. I didn't want him around that lifestyle. I started learning how to manufacture meth, deal, and it just kept spiraling down from there until I was losing everything. And Um, I got all the way up to my um, clinicals to where I was going to graduate, and I dropped out, and it just kept going down from there.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, those. you get into crushing pills, and crushing pills crushes dreams, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you've obviously made that clear there. Mm -hmm. What— do you remember the moment where you had the lights-on experience of knowing I'm in trouble with this? I'm in over my head. It's got control of me instead mm-hmm. of me having control over it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I um, The turning point for me when I was like, um, this is all bad, um, I was also prescribed opiate painkillers for my migraines. And then when they re- regulated those and took those away – Um, I went immediately into heroin and I was that person I remember watching on television and I would see people shoot up and I remember turning my nose up in disgust and saying I would never do that I would never do that and those are just those people under the under the bridges under the streets and I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away um, and I started shooting up and sticking a needle in my arm. Um, I got my first charges in 2008, and I knew that I was it was bad. Then I knew it. I knew it was all bad, and I had no control at that point. I was facing 55 years in 2008.
0: 55. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what about the lies, the deceit? You've mentioned some of the methods that you used to get that next dime, to get that next hit, and everything that went with it. Did any of that bother you, or were you so focused on getting that next high that nothing mattered?
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, um, it bothers you, but it's it's surfaced. You know, it's it's there, but it doesn't matter because the addiction drives you right past um, the care. Um, and then you use even more because it does bother you. You know, you don't want to feel that guilt and that shame, so you use even more.
0: So you just cover up what you've been covering up, yeah. and yeah. soon it's a pile so big that you're even mm-hmm. tripping over it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Wow. Wow. This next question's kind of a tough one. Mm-hmm. I, as long as I've known you, I've never truly addressed this to you. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd appreciate your best effort here. I oftentimes hear people say, oh, they didn't love their kids. They loved the drug more. Can you address that from your experience?
1: I love my kids more than anything in the world. But there was a time that I, for a long time, that I did love the drug more than my children. And that was out of the addiction aspect, the dope sickness aspect. You know, I did choose the drug over my children for a long time. I would have CPS cases where, you know, I've had seven CPS cases, I think. I kind of lost count, unfortunately. Um, but I would always do what I needed to do to get them back, but then I would lose it again. You know, it was, they were always enough for me to get them back, and then I would lose it again. My kids mean everything to me, but the addiction and the dope sickness— And if you don't get the tools that you need and learn the things that you need in your recovery and work a program, it doesn't matter, kids, family or whatever, you're not going to stay on the path.
0: You made a comment a little bit ago. I don't remember exactly what it was, but this question kind of ties in with that. Mm-hmm. Was there a time when you didn't care whether you saw the next day or not, whether you lived or died? You know, you didn't care if it was dark or light. Did you ever get to that that deep, you know, of the darkness? Oh, yeah. What was that like?
1: There was so many days like that where, you know, I would have abscesses on my arms. I would be so sick and I just didn't think I would survive this addiction. I didn't ever think I would be where I am today. I never thought I would get my kids back. I never thought that my kids would love me again. I just, I got tired of trying to fight and I thought the addiction would win because it was so powerful, so cunning, so baffling. You just want to give up. You know, the insanity part of it, of doing the same thing over and over and over again, you do want to give up.
0: Let's change gears just a little. But before we do, is there anything else you want to say about that part of your life? Anything else you want to share that you think maybe our listeners need to know on behalf of their family member who's struggling? Is there a way they can help them during that time without pushing them away and without enabling? So where do they draw that line?
1: Yeah, I definitely, um, it is important to love your individual If they are suffering with substance use disorder, to love them and set those boundaries and let them do it for themselves because you cannot do it for them. There are so many programs out there for parents of addicted loved ones to go get the education that you need to help understand them better, to reach out. You know, any any hate words or anything like that that you throw at them, it's not going to help any whatsoever. So just to educate yourselves um, the best that you can and to love them from a distance and just to understand enabling because there's so many forms of enabling that um, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, just to educate yourself, definitely.
0: Educate yourself. That's a powerful statement. That's important. That's power in itself. Education is. Uh, Yes, absolutely. So. Let's kind of move to the next stage of your life. Mm-hmm. What was the lights-on moment to where you knew that you knew that you knew that you had to change, that you wanted something better for yourself, a better life for Monica?
1: When I was standing on the side of the road in handcuffs um, on my way to jail the last time, uh, Dart County.
0: Wow. Explain that dark county procedure because I—you've told me—I like the way the change came about. Share that.
1: Yeah, I—I I laugh a little bit because it just—I can look back and laugh now. <laughs> when I was standing on the side of the road, I was not laughing. Um, I was very angry at that time, and I was blaming everybody. Still, I was calling my mom, demanding bail money to put her house up—all those things that we do. You know, I wasn't ready to take blame for anything yet, but I was picturing I'd left my daughter, my four-year-old daughter, um, downstairs at the neighbor's house that she barely, that I barely, she didn't know her at all. I barely knew her. That's some horrible things that we do when we're dope sick. You know, our, our brains are unbalanced. Um, we're sick. And so, but when I was standing there, I pictured my son, I pictured my daughter, and the defeat and the letdown of, oh, mom again. And, but at that moment, I was standing on the side of the road, you know, if I was forced into recovery, which is fine, you know, I'll take it any way I could get it. But I was forced into recovery and I was standing there and I was like, okay. But it wasn't until I walked into the jail and I had one more moment of, you know, because they told me that I was going to get searched, and I did not get searched. I had one more moment of I could have took that dopin with me, and I could have done it. I could have used it, and then once that moment of that went away, and I walked into the um, Dark County Jail, miserable, and they told me that they had um, withdrawal meds in there, and they normally don't have that in any jail that I've seen or come across or talked people I've talked to, but I so happened to go into a jail. Where they have a cocktail of meds that helps you come down off the off the um, heroin and opiates that you're on, so you don't you don't withdraw and you don't suffer and you don't have the rest, restless legs and all the things that you um, really suffer from.
0: Monica, when was that? What was the year? You know, you're talking about the past, and I just want people to have an idea.
1: 2014. It okay. was October 16th, 2014. I know exactly. Okay. Um and so I was like, all these blessings were put in place that I didn't even see um, until later on. Could have went to any other jail and really been sick and puking all over myself. But I, you know, I was beating on the door less than, you know, 12 hours. Like, I need that medicine. And they put me on a liquid diet. And then um, I I forget. I don't want to throw the numbers out there, but the jail was overpacked, overcrowded. They chose me um, and two other girls to transfer us to a brand new jail, Mercer County,
0: This is in Ohio, folks. In Ohio, western part of Ohio.
1: Yeah, they took me away from where I was at and hadn't even been sentenced. They normally do not do that, Um, and so and it was closer to my family, where they could visit me and not drive as far. And so all these little blessings were put in place. And then in the jail that I had been in, which was Dark County, there was no meetings, no recovery, no nothing going on in this jail. Um, Over to Sheriff Sheriff Gray, which I adore. Um, in Mercer County's jail, where they had everything going on, A A R U Celebrate Recovery. I took a class called Freedom 101, which was a f- like three day, um, a week, a whole weekend class um, dealing with confinement. Amazing. Um, all these things that were happening, and that is the moment that I knew that I'm going after this because the opportunity was presented to me and I took it. You know, people were coming in. I started learning about God. All these happy people that were smiling, and I'm like, why are they smiling? And I wanted what they had because I hadn't smiled in a long time, Randy, in a long, long time. And they were glowing from the inside out, and I was like, "Mm." it was contagious, and I was on, on top of it.
0: That is what kicked you in gear to start moving forward yep. in the best and the most positive of ways. Yep. Yes, and to search and seek out that better life. Yep. Being moved, and pardon me to anybody, but being moved from the darkness of the dark county jail <laughs> to the Mercer County Jail was all a part of the plan. Yep. Each one was a step. Yep. That's incredible. So— Tell us a little bit about what the recovery journey has been. And then before we finish up here, we're going to get into your present life and let people know what you're doing. Give us some of the positive experiences that have helped you through recovery. And I want to make sure we go back to the picture and <laughs> the visit, the return to the uh, Mercer County Jail. Go ahead, please.
1: Um, oh, well, recovery was not easy in the beginning. You know, I went through, you know, I want to say first and foremost that relapse does not have to be a part of of your recovery. Um it does happen. It did happen in in my recovery. Um a few times, you know, I remember being sneaky with myself. Um if that makes sense and I'll explain that. I was showing up to the meetings, uh, the meetings in a better life was my lifeline. Like I was that was, you know, I Quit doing the um, bad things and dealing dope. And, you know, um, I was sober and I was showing up to the meetings. And then I had this thought, and I've shared this with others before. I had this thought that I had to continue to sell pills. And it was m- like prescriptions that I had left over because there's there's this addiction to financial part of it. There's um, this thought that you, um, even though you're sober, I was broke all the time before. Like I had to have this money coming in. There was this addiction to money. I was afraid to not have enough money to provide for my kids. Like, I had to make up for lost time. So that was a big fear of mine. Like, I had to buy everything that I didn't buy them before. So there was these little things that I I had to work on letting go. I let go of my recovery. But as I kept coming to the meetings and I stayed in the meetings, and that guilt was stirring inside of me. And I eventually, real quick, like, let that go. Did everything just you know, stop, and did I just magically turn into the most amazing, perfect person in recovery at the beginning? No, no. I created over 25 years of drug use, you know, a monster. So I had to, over time, uncreate that monster over time, and I'm still working on things today. Every day, I work on things, and my recovery is an ongoing process, I never stop. There's no destination. There's no end point. Um, but continuing on, you know, it was rough. My emotions were coming back. Cannot stand those feelings. You know, I can deal with them now. I like them now. They're doable. I can set in them. I can handle them. And then on some days, if I can't handle them, I reach out to my friends, my supports. And I'm like, you know, I can't I can't handle these today, you know, so I can share them with others. But in the very first year, it was rough. I got two weeks away from my year and I relapsed, you know, so that guilt of relapse. It was rough, but I took it into the meetings and I shared it in the support of others. It was enough for me to be like, oh, okay." you know, human. The opposite of addiction is human connection. So you if you sit and you let your addiction talk to you, your addiction will tell you how horrible you are, how horrible that relapse was. That's why you gotta go and sit around people that will tell you the opposite of what your addiction is telling you.
0: So, yeah, so important yeah. that connection, that mm-hmm. communication, yeah. that accountability, everything that you've mentioned right yeah. there. I know that A Better Life, Brianna's Hope, has been blessed to be in a number of schools and speak to students from K to 12. And I know that uh, you were, have been, and I'm sure will continue to be when you can, a major part of that. So I'm going to guess you have talked to, you know—yeah, go ahead there.
1: I lost count or stopped counting at, what was it, 40,000 students. So I'm guessing probably— 50,000 or more. I don't know. I've lost count. So it's a lot of students. And that is so humbling because as soon as I walk into a school, you know, I can about cry thinking about it now. As soon as I walk into a school, I remember me being in the school and how much I hated it and how awful it was for me and how that's when my life changed. That's when I started using. That's how, you know, and I have a daughter right now that is 11 and she struggles. She's being bullied. She's being picked on by the girls, you know. And so we have that conversation all the time. Stay focused. You know, come to me. Talk to me. Don't let anybody influence you. You're beautiful just the way you are. You know, so there's a lot of moments right there where it's it's really tough. You know, those are life changing moments for kids. So it is so important for me to be able to go into the schools and share life-changing experiences because i remember when i was in school they came in with you know like here's this drug here's this dope don't do it life real life moment stories are are
0: impressionable. You you know, you've had the opportunity to pay it forward as the term goes. Uh, Along with that, I know that we've also been blessed to speak to a number of clubs, groups, organizations, and to go back a little bit. We've also been able to go into some jails here and there and tell our stories. I know we were able to go back to the Mercer County Jail and uh, speak with a group there, a group of ladies, as I recall, Mm -hmm. and you were a part of that. But there was a significant moment or two. Would you share that with her listeners? Yeah,
1: I guess, boy, that's emotional, too, for me. You know, when I walked back into the same jail where I found my recovery, I was—it took my breath away um, because of the cold air, the clothes they were wearing. You know, I literally came up out of my body and— triggers yes yes i came out of my body and sat down into where they were i could see their faces their eyes and i could i was no longer in my body and i was in each and every one of their bodies and as i looked around in their faces there sat one of the girls that i was in jail with when i was in there and just her brokenness and you know i had to speak to her and i'm like hey and she's like, oh, my gosh, you know, it was just that moment of she didn't recognize me, you know, and she we talked and we hugged and she's like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to find this meeting. And she let her, she is um, three years sober now oh, doing man. amazing. Um, and I'm so proud of her. Um, so it's to be able to go back in. God always brings me back around <laughs> to where I did so wrong to do so good. And it, it's humbling to to see that. Um, that circle that 360 circle
0: there's a piece of what you to add to that i'll just use the words the picture
1: oh yeah yeah um so i remember when i first got out of jail i had a friend of mine um it might have not been when i first got out sent me my mug shot from when i first went to jail and i literally fell over and then so i randy said we should blow that up and take it to schools with you And so I literally have a huge poster of my mugshot that I take around with me, and it like keeps the mice out of my
0: (laughs) out of my garage. It's certainly Halloween worthy. Yes,
1: it is a reminder um, of where I never ever want to return, and it's it's unbelievable because it looks 15 years older than what I do now, and very sad, very broken, very lost um, individual because it's exactly what I was.
0: Yeah. What about the guard when we <laughs> went back to the facility?
1: Yeah. When I went back to the facility and I did my pupil test and my drug screens, I always love taking drug screens and pupil tests whenever I need to. It's always humbling to be like, oh, yeah, you passed. I'm like, yes. Um, and she's seen, well, when I walked in and I'm like, do you remember me? And this was one of the guards that none of us liked because she was literally the the warden of the of the first, first shift. And I walk in and I said, do you remember me? And she's like, no. And I turned my big old mugshot around. She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> How can I forget? And I was like, oh,
0: that's terrible. It was a trigger for yeah, her. Yeah, it was and, a trigger. And then as I recall, you both embraced and yes. she had tears in her eyes yes. because she was able to see the difference that was yes. made, right? Yeah. Incredible. Monica, as a part of your recovery journey, just for a minute or two, tell us about the— the doubters, the, the setbacks, and the challenges?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, the, there's always challenges. You know, I'm a single mom and having setbacks and being able to um, get through those. I have a huge network of people um, and things that I do, and I'm continuing. I, I like to look at myself as a sponge and I soak up anything and everything. You know, I, today I still go to meetings. You know, I don't go to a meeting every day. Um, I like to hit a meeting weekly. Um, you know, I go to school, continuing my education and, you know, life happens for me. You know, at, at first recovery was hard, but now I, it's actually life is hard. You know what I mean? Life is hard as long as you got the tools in your toolkit and, um, you use those and you reach out to your support systems and, you have as much as possible. I don't have too many setbacks, you know, I I love life today and so I just continue to move forward, you know. I'm constantly pouring out of my cup into others, so I have to fill that cup back up, you know, and I balance is key for me.
0: What about temptations? You've been clean how long now?
1: Uh five years and four months.
0: Who's counting? Five <laughs> years, four months. Do you still have temptations, sure. or is it far behind you nothing pulls at you? Oh,
1: uh, no. Yeah, I have temptations. Um, pain was a big trigger for me, so, you know, I will—I like to um, hyper-focus on how bad it was, like when I lost my daughter. You know, my son has—his uh, his son now, which is my grandson, so, you know— It's always going to be there. So whenever something happens, you know, and I'm like, oh, where did that come from? It just it's not as intense anymore, you know, the further I go along Um, or, you know, you walk in and see something sitting there. You know, you can't prevent everything from, you know, not being there or a show. You know, I'm currently watching um, on Hulu Dope Sick, you know, so to watch that show on Hulu, there's reminders that come back. And I'm like, wow. You know, just to think about that. But they're not as intense as they used to be. But I don't want to go back to that, you know, um, whatsoever.
0: What right now at this point, before we get into how you are sharing yourself and giving of yourself, what do you like most about Monica? Monica?
1: My heart and um, wanting to help others and always wanting to learn more to help others um, and to understand others. I'm humbled and I love being a parent. I love being a grandparent. Always willing to share my story, life. Uh, Definitely the fact that I know that at any point that this could all be taken away, you know. So I take it very serious.
0: I can remember it just hit me. I hadn't thought of this in a while, but it. A couple of our meetings. Of course, at all of our meetings, we share the good stuff going on. We give victory reports. Mm-hmm. I remember one night you sharing how much you had enjoyed writing checks for paying your bills for the last <laughs> month. Yes. Uh, and I also remember the night that you shared the praise of finally having a car. car. I knew it. With all four doors <laughs> the, the same. Same color. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know that may seem simple, or we yes. take it for granted. Yeah. And we don't see that like we used to, but many times you'd see opposite colors yeah. but to, yeah. to get there.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's been, you know, a few years since I've had to worry about that stuff, but that those were worries um for me like I never had insurance, you know, I was lucky to have a car that wasn't stolen. Yeah, my cars were didn't have matching colored doors and you know the plates weren't the right plates um so yeah um to have A car that has inch full coverage insurance and you know, things like that. Peace of
0: mind, peace of heart. You know,
1: sometimes (laughs) I don't even think about that anymore. But yeah. So those are all things that I'm grateful for to have food in my refrigerator, you know, to have when I go to the gas station I fill up, I don't just put five in or three dollars or two fifty or two seventy five or pay with all change or or even siphon gas out and steal it. You know, those were those were the old days. Yeah. So
0: Okay, now let's move into the present part of your life. You've shared a lot of that already, mm-hmm. but I know you're making an impact in our community mm-hmm. that uh, you've, you know, upped your education mm-hmm. and you've, you're you doing a lot of good things. But go ahead and share with our audience.
1: Well, I was able to, um, I had attempted that degree years, well, it started in 2000. And it took me literally 20 years to get it, but I didn't care. You know, I ended up with, um, I kind of lost count on felonies, seven, some, maybe nine felonies somewhere around there. So they don't like you to be a school teacher or a nurse or anything like that with felonies. Um, So I wanted to walk across the stage anyway, because I had attempted that degree for so long. Um, So I did. I completed my Ivy Tech degree with an associate's in general studies. So I do have a college degree. Um, And then I continued on currently um, in my social work degree. So I'm taking classes for that. Um, And then a certificate in addictions counseling. Um, So I'm working towards that. And should finish that when less than a year. And then I currently work at IU Health. I've been there for over a year in June as a certified peer recovery coach. Um, I absolutely love that. I don't even like to call that a job. You know, um, it doesn't even feel like a job. They say that you find that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I found it. Um, I tell, I try to tell my um, older son that, you know, you just keep working and loving what you do or doing, what you know, hard work now. You'll find something eventually that you absolutely love. Um, so right now, working at IU and J., um, we do the IOP program, and we virtual in with Muncie.
0: Monica, mm-hmm. share with our folks what an IOP is, what that stands for, the process, okay?
1: Yeah, it's an intensive outpatient program. So we help people with substance use disorders. It's the, the kind of a step down from um, inpatient. So when they go to inpatient and detox, they could come out and go into the outpatient program. We do a four-day-a-week um, four program. We do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 9 to noon. Um, we have uh, we go with the matrix model, um, and we do on Mondays, we do a um, just for today. Every day we do a just for today, and we read out the just for today book. Um, and then we do uh, just um, a relapse prevention, and then we do a process group on Mondays, and we do a check-in as well. And we will check in to see how the patients were over the weekends, if they had any triggers, if they made it into any week or in, made it into any meetings. And then the rest of the week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have Fran on board, which is our um, stress management. She helps with meditation, and we go on walks and mindfulness stuff. And um, then we do the relapse prevention, and then we do a group facilitation with our. Um, uh, our psychologist, uh, Linda Daniel.
0: So is this something that you get into by deciding, I know I need the help mm-hmm. and you know, that's a resource. Is this court ordered? It can what? be, it, it can,
1: can be, it can come from the probation. It can come from CPS. It can come from the ER or like the hospitals. It can do a self referral as well. We do walk-ins on Thursdays. We like to have them by phone, you know, call in and, you know, get your paperwork set up and, you know, come in and, you know, call. Um, and then we do that Thursday and Fridays as well. You know, it's just kind of the same setup. We like to do an orientation, you come in and do an orientation. We do an intake um, with our therapist, and then we do a medical intake as well. Um, and then um, we do MAT, which is medical assistant treatment, um, Suboxone, Vivitrol. We do not do methadone. Um, so that's just kind of the process that we do.
0: Is it proving to be a success? Yeah.
1: Um, we right now we have 15 people in our between Muncie and Jay County. So, yeah, we're we're doing really well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
1: we're doing really well.
0: What is the role you play in all of that?
1: Um, I'm a cert- certified peer recovery coach and I will meet with people individually and then I will also set with them in uh, group facilitation, you know, and then um, I'll lead Monday group and then we kind of you know, jump back and forth with other um, group facilitators.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there anything else, you know, along that line you'd like to share with us uh, We have how you're giving? And-
1: we have an AA uh, group that we'll do, too, and then we have an alumni group. It's kind of for graduates so that starts two weeks before they complete. So they have the opportunity to get a certificate for completion at the end as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you've come a long way. There's yeah. no doubt about it. From yeah, it's being a... the one in need to helping. Yes, to meet it is the a blessing. Need. Oh, that's incredible. So uh can you think of any question you kind of anticipated or hoped I'd ask, or is there something else you'd like to say here to those folks who are seeking recovery or those who have someone who they hope will seek recovery.
1: Just to reach out, um, ask for help. If, you know, I or IU or anybody, you know, in your area, just to reach out and ask for help. If they or I cannot help you, then we will get you to somebody that can help.
0: How, can you tell us how they can get a hold of the IUJ or the IU system? What is the best route?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's... uh, the phone number is 260-726-1960.
0: Would you repeat that again?
1: Yep, 260-726-1960.
0: And they will direct you through prompting yep. and questions yep. to the folks who will help you yep. take that next right step.
1: Yep, absolutely. Oh,
0: incredible. Mm-hmm. Thank you. In closing, I have one final question for you. As you know, the name of our podcast is faith in your recovery. Mm-hmm. How about in your own words, you define faith in your own recovery or faith in your recovery?
1: Um, yes, I have faith in my recovery for sure because I have faith in God. So, you know, um, when I struggle with anything, you know, I'll pray about it. Um, and like I said, lean on my supports and I've come a long way and, you know, to be able to give to others and it's so humbling, you know, and it's it feels really good to be able to help others and advocate for others. And, and I know God has been there for me and I've put the footwork in. And so I feel like we're a team in this, all of us. So it's been such a blessing and my eyes are wide open now. I know I've shared with you before, Randy, about the sunrises and sunsets. And so all of those things, even sounds I never heard before, birds chirping, leaves changing, because I was so stuck on my addiction. Um, I'm able to see and hear so much now, and I would change that for the world. So I have a faith in so much.
0: You know, I've heard it all the way through everything you've said today, the idea of it is a journey, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not a one-day journey, a one-step journey. It's each step, yeah. and the journey doesn't have a destination. Right. You continue forward and make sure you are, not if you stumble. Right. You mentioned about a few personal stumbles mm-hmm. and, and falling. Mm-hmm. Get back up. Yep. Try again. I guess I am always... I have a pet peeve. I'll hear somebody say they've been clean for two years, mm-hmm. and then they relapse and think they've got to start counting those days anew. I, I don't believe that. I believe you just add on to that if you move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just the, you know, the simple idea. Pardon the the illustration but if you go on a diet and lose 40 pounds and gain back 20 you're still 20 ahead yeah you know you're ahead of that so that's awesome monica is there anything else at all you'd like to say or offer
1: just uh breaking the stigma is important too
0: monica thank you for joining us today we appreciate your sharing your caring and your efforts to help others find a better life you can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. If we're worth your time and we challenged your head and heart, please leave us a five-star rating, click like, download, and subscribe. Your support will help us move forward in a way that's going to help us touch, change, and save even more lives. If you have a question or a comment, email us at F-I-Y-R podcast at gmail.com. Once again, F-I-Y-R podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you're interested in finding out more about A Better Life, Brietta's Hope, check out our website at ablbh.org. Remember, don't give up on yourself and don't give in to the urge. Your answer, your healing Your recovery may be just around the next corner, or who knows, perhaps in our next episode. Have faith in your recovery by having faith in yourself, your journey, and above all, God. Believe and keep fighting the battle.